Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host. I forgot that we're here to create, help you create, your life by design. I skipped that part. Unbelievable. You know, it's hard. It's a hard gig. It's hard to remember stuff. <laughs> when you here. say it four times a week, every yeah, week. I know. I'm here with my co-host. Travis McQueen. We got a lot of good questions today, guys. A lot of good questions coming from the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and click the link in the description to join that group. There is a huge community, and it is awesome. Yeah. It, you know what would be cool, too, is like if you guys, uh, I mean, we'd have to figure out time for this. But like, let us know. I mean, Right now, it's it's definitely the place to go to ask questions. You know what I mean? But uh, there's also the link, obviously, that you can fill out and ask questions. But if you have things that you would love to see or hear on the podcast or get videos or whatever, like, I'm not opposed to, like, putting other content in there, you know, or creating something or yeah. doing a live video every once in a while and just in the group and stuff like that. So if there's anything out there that you guys are like, man, it would be super dope to see this from you or whatever, let us know. Yeah. Instagram, email, form, Facebook group, whatever, just. Hit us up. That'd be cool. There's a lot of ways to get it interactive. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Just do something different, but yeah. Cool. All right. The first one today is going to come from Sarah Crowhurst. And it says, what would you say to someone who is feeling overwhelmed by food and all the recipes being shared on social media? In parentheses, it says, which in turn is making planning their meals twice as hard. What? quote unquote, back to the basic principles or advice would you give? I'm more than happy to eat the same thing each and every day. um, But is variety really needed? No, it's not. So my advice would be to keep it simple. Like here's the thing is like, and this goes for anything in life. You don't have to pay attention to what other people are doing. So if you're looking at Instagram and it's overwhelming you because there's all this noise, right? There's all these different recipes, all this stuff. Get the fuck off Instagram. Plain and simple. You know, sometimes I literally wish Instagram would just fucking die. Just shut down. Be gone. Because I think a lot of people would be less overwhelmed. We have an unbelievable website and a very good track record with SEO. So we would continue to grow and I'd actually probably crush our competitors, which would actually be sick. Yeah. Um, But... (laughs) It's it's just one of those things where it's like, I we were kind of talking about yesterday. You were like, did you see so and so doing whatever on Instagram? I'm like, oh, I, I haven't seen it. And where I was like, it's probably because I don't consume that content, so it doesn't show up on my newsfeed, you know. But the truth is, is I don't see a lot of things because one, I don't consume it, and two, I don't go on and scroll. I try to avoid it. It's why in the mornings, if I post early, it's already done. I get on, I click post, and I get the fuck off. Because it just consumes you, right? And if you start seeing, like, if I go on there and I see what 20 other successful business owners do for their morning routine, now I'm going to start questioning my morning routine. My morning routine's probably been working fine, but now I'm going to have doubts, and maybe I should change it, and what (coughs) if I do it this way? And now the whole point, now I'm just procrastinating, and I'm just kind of on a treadmill. I'm running fast, going nowhere, right? You're just sitting there, spinning your wheels, not knowing what the fuck to do. If I am following a specific diet plan, but then I go online and see all these people doing something else, I'm going to feel like I'm thrown off. If I eat simple foods and I like eating or repeating the same thing every single day, but I go on and I see these dudes that are shredded eating in and out all the time. Now I feel like I'm supposed to be having cheat meals and then I'm going to throw off my diet or I'm going to feel guilty or like that I'm doing something weird because I'm eating quote unquote bro food. It's all just noise, right? Fuck the noise. Fuck Instagram. If you have to do it, like don't pay attention to that shit. It's literally just going to throw you off your game. 
I eat the simplest shit every single day. And my back to basics advice is eat the same thing as many days for as many meals as you can. Um, create variation through very easy Variable. means uh, that don't adjust your macros very much. For example, I changed the berries that are in my fucking Greek yogurt thing that I've been eating every day for the last two years probably. You know that. I eat mm-hmm. that shit all the time. Still love it. And I rotate the berries from raspberries to blueberries to strawberries. Raspberries, blueberries. I just go through them. I never change anything in my fitness pal because 100 grams of one is 100 grams of the other. Like literally down to almost like half a gram difference on macros. So I'm not going to adjust my macros in my app or the food I eat in the app because I'm eating one extra carb today because it's blueberries and then one less carb tomorrow because it's strawberries, which is usually the case. You're splitting hairs. But that creates variation and it stimulates my taste buds, stimulates my mind. It makes me feel like I'm doing something different. Um, and then the last thing is, is you know, and to actually to, to add on to that a little bit, you're not going to get any nutrient deficiencies from that. Like you're going to be totally fine. So if I, like I wake up and I have a couple, like two to three whole eggs with egg whites and I, I cook it with some like spinach and then like seasoning and olive oil, I'm getting healthy fats, I'm getting spinach, I'm getting good cholesterol, good protein. I eat it with some oats, which I'm getting multiple nutrients from. I take all my multivitamins, I drink my reds and my greens drink from First Form. I'm getting a ton of stuff, right? I don't need to change that. I'm getting all the vitamins and minerals I need. My lunch is, is uh, high-quality Greek yogurt with high-quality whey protein with oats and some kind of berries. I'm getting fiber, I'm getting protein, I'm getting carbs, I'm getting different vitamins and minerals. I don't need to change anything. There's nothing sp- like me going, well, I got to eat cottage cheese because I had Greek yogurt yesterday. They're both dairy. They're both protein. They're both casein protein. They both have vitamins and minerals in it. Good. Eat what I like. Totally. Continue to eat it um, and make it simple. I continue to eat the same thing for dinner and I just swap out veggies sometimes. But even if I swap from broccoli to Brussels to green beans to asparagus, whatever, it's really not that different. They're thick green vegetables. Damn near the same shit. And if you're taking vitamins, like a multivitamin and greens and stuff like that, it's not going to change anything. So why why reinvent the wheel? And then the the other thing with this is to keep ingredients minimal. I see people get too creative, especially on Instagram and Pinterest and shit like that, where they're like, this is my, uh, my autumn fresh cinnamon pumpkin spice pancake protein mix. Literally. And it's like... <laughs> God damn, you got four seasonings that are like special seasonings from Trader Joe's. And then you got like two different types of protein powder, some egg whites, some like little bit of like buttermilk to thicken it up. You got to put some baking powder. Like you got all this shit in there that you got to track. And now your breakfast is 17 ingredients for two pancakes. You know what I mean? Buy some Kodiak pancakes. You scan one barcode, throw that shit in a pan. Boom, you got a pancake. You know what I mean? That, I mean, that's, it's as simple as that. Or my Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt, whey protein, oats, berries. Four ingredients, real simple. I had all the nutrient bases that I need, and I'm good. When you get creative like that, it gets overwhelming. Yeah. And that's where it gets hard to be consistent. Now, there is definitely times where I will cook something or Shannon will cook something, and we do that. Like, on Sunday, I, I cooked us dinner, and I did some, like, different stuff with the way I did the potatoes. I was doing, like, potatoes in the air fryer. I did some some different types of uh, you know what broccolini is you yeah. ever have that so I did something different with broccolini instead like I got kind of fancy with it it definitely took me some time there was more oils and spices and ingredients involved I don't do that every night it was like an occasion it was special I did it and I'm done um so I'm not saying never do that but if you're doing that for all your fucking meals it's going to be really overwhelming and confusing and and not accurate as yeah as exactly as and in like the one-liner I always say is and this is actually a Jay-Z line in a song. Um, what you eat doesn't make me shit. 
Literally. Yeah. What you eat makes you shit. Yeah. What I eat makes me shit. So I don't give a fuck what you eat, dude. I, I literally have zero care in the world what you eat. So you have zero care of what I eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. I actually, I don't want to follow people who just post their food. I think it's like weird. Like I will share on my story sometimes because people literally ask me what I eat because they want to know what I'm talking about right now. And I totally understand that. But does that mean they care? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, some people do, I guess. But like my point is, is for this person asking the question, yeah. you shouldn't care. Yeah. There's really no reason to care. You don't get affected by what somebody else eats. Therefore, you should find what works for you, what you like, what makes your diet easy and sustainable and allows you to lose weight or build muscle or feel better or fix your digestion or whatever your goal is and run with it. Like who really, who cares? Um, dietary plans can become very dogmatic for sure, but they can almost become like religion, right? If you ever talk to somebody who is like real into keto and you say like, ah, you don't like keto, they're going to fucking go down your throat with all the reasons why keto is the best thing yeah. ever, right? Whereas somebody who like, who, who's like us, we're very balanced. That's like our whole thing. If somebody loves keto, I'm like, that's dope. Good for you, man. Like you feel great on it. Cool. That's all I care about. Are you happy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's all that matters. So I think you just have to get in that mindset. you're you're doing it to yourself by consuming the content with these outrageous recipes that overwhelm you when there's nothing wrong with keeping it simple use less ingredients repeat meals constantly get a wide variety of nutrients throughout your day and week but don't worry about changing that variety right like i said i have carrots for dinner spinach for breakfast berries for lunch cool i'm getting my like fruits and vegetables throughout the day right i have a banana with breakfast like i'm getting everything i don't need to go from banana to apple to orange just do what i like and have a different variation throughout the day and just continue for sure um and then swap out simple things but i think for the most part that's like you know don't worry about others yeah i mean that's really what i started pulling up a quote because uh when we were talking before i didn't know it was going to go into a no it's not um i didn't know it was going to go into a diet question when you started talking about over getting overwhelmed and we stopped because we started recording i thought you were going to talk about like um getting overwhelmed with work and like trying to do stuff and this is a memory from 2018 it was four years ago popped up my story today and it was relevant to it and the quote is from Stephen King, Mm. uh, amateurs sit and wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. And sometimes the key to eliminating the feeling of being overwhelmed is literally just doing the work. It's just taking action, you know, because at the end of the day, getting started is the hardest part in anything, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we've had conversations about this with just different kinds of routines and habits and shit like that. And it's always committing at the beginning or getting into it that's really fucking difficult but once you do it's just like you're just rolling you're just starting so that's why his i mean his quote he's a writer so he's talking about being creative and inspiration but he's saying like amateurs basically wait around and hope that they get inspired pros just fucking work they just start doing things they start pulling the trigger and they start getting after it and when you're feeling overwhelmed about anything you have to look at what works and what is guaranteed to work or what is the easiest bullseye to fire at right what is the easiest trigger to pull what is the easiest action to take just take it because that's going to catapult you into a snowball effect of taking action and habits and there's nothing that produces consistency and success more than consistency of action and I know that's kind of an oxymoron but if you start taking action that alone gets you on that path of consistency and once you get consistent you don't want to stop being consistent because you're already down a path you're already doing well so you're going to keep going because you don't want to fuck up your track record um so there's nothing that produces more consistency than consistency period agreed so 
Good. All right. Let's uh, move on to the next one. It comes from Jen Johnston. It says, hey, Cody, I would love to hear your three favorite exercises for grow, growth or build your shoulders, back, quads, and glutes. Oh. Three areas. Yeah. Okay. So just maybe, wow, three exercises for each one. Yeah. Let's do it. I can give me an hour. <laughs> That's fine. Um, all right. Uh, Let's get it. So what was the first muscle group? Shoulders? Uh, shoulders. All right. Um, military press, lateral raise, uh, upright row. What's next? I'm uh, just playing. I'm not I was like, that awesome. like, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, definitely military press. I would go seated dumbbell military press, though. Um, you could do barbell. Uh, I personally think that dumbbells are better for muscle growth than barbell, hands down. With anything outside of – actually, I take that back. They're better for upper body muscle growth. The only reason I said is because – you know, you can do like a, a closer stance uh, s- squat for your quads, but I would rather do barbell or Smith machine with that because I can load it heavier than I could with dumbbells. You would get to your 10 to 12 reps and your grip would be given out, not your quads with dumbbells. Same with RDLs. Um, and I think the best leg, like compound leg builders would be RDLs and squats So for the most time. But I think with upper body, dumbbells kind of rain better because you can have more flexibility. So on a barbell military press, it's great, but I'm in a fixed position. I have to angle my body to get over my chin with the bar and wherever my hands are, that's where they're stuck. If I start a dumbbell military press and I'm a little bit too medial, so my hands are too close to my shoulders, mid press, I can move them because I have free weights. You know what I mean? So um, a seated, so upright seated military press with dumbbells, stopping at a 90 degree angle at the bottom is my favorite exercise for uh, shoulder development. I think it's very underrated and it's the best because you can track the progress better than anything else. Um, Lateral raises are great, but you're not going to progress much weight on a lateral raise. You know what I mean? So I like uh, the... um, the dumbbell military press for sure as my like main progressive lift for the shoulders. I like a um, high incline chest supported lateral raise with dumbbells in the high, high rep range. And the reason I like this is because um, I put it up almost all the way vertical, but just one down. So I'm leaning forward slightly. And the only reason I like the chest supported one, I sold this from uh, John Meadows, RIP, the mountain dog. Because when you support your chest, when you lean forward on it, even though it's basically upright, I don't have to worry about my torso angle or like standing tall or my core supporting the stability of my body, my trunk. I can just focus on the lateral raise. Um, And then what I'm doing is I'm actually bending my hands a little bit. So when I go to the top, I'm going to point my elbows forward slightly. So my pinky kind of rotates forward. It's just going to help me get that rear delt a little bit. Um, and I'm not going to stop at my side. So right before the bottom range of motion, I'm going to come back up. Right. Uh, and he, I got these from him cause he would do these and he would call them chest supported partial lateral raises. And he always did them for 20 plus reps and it would just light up your fucking shoulders. Um, so it's a tie between those and Joe DeFranco's shoulder shocker, both of which are just variations of lateral raises or complexes. Mm-hmm. Both of them are 20 plus reps. Um, the, the delts, really do develop well with high rep and maximal tension uh, for a few reasons. One, because of the muscle fiber dominance, but two, because there's three different parts of the deltoid. There's the anterior, lateral, and rear delt, right? The front side and and back side of your delt. And if I'm doing lateral raise and it's mainly the lateral head of my delt, when that lateral head fatigues, guess what? The the anterior and the rear are going to start firing more to help. So 
I like taking it past the point of fatigue, which means I have to go lighter, usually like chest supported, and go in the 20 plus rep range so that I can hit all heads of delts with mm. that movement. Otherwise, you have to be very in tune with your body to be like, I'm only going to hit the lateral head here. You know what I mean? It's very difficult to do that. So I like that one. And then I would always say um, uh, a cable rope face pull, uh, which is going to just hit, hit your rear delts really well. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that because there's still a lot of traps involved in that. So I would actually go either dumbbell or pec deck machine rear delt flies. I don't have a pec deck here, but pec deck, if you go on a pec deck backwards, again, chest support it, and you do reverse flies with it, with your palms facing down, so you're a pronated grip, and you're driving through your pinkies. Um, EMG isn't everything. That's where, like, they put those pads with the cords on your muscle, and they see how much your muscle's firing or stimulating. Um, We can see a lot of activation of a muscle, but it's not like – if there's more activation, that means it's going to build more muscle necessarily. But they did get a really high rating of muscle activation in the rear delts on the, the pec deck reverse fly. So if you don't have one of those, what I do here is chest supported on an incline bench. So like low enough to where I can like really lean forward on it. And then I'm just doing lightweight dumbbells and I'm just keeping my hands in that pronated position and just doing re- reverse flies. And that's going to smash your rear delts. But if you're doing um, some kind of high rep lateral raise, complex or just exercise like the one i said uh dumbbell military press seated for progressive strength and then a rear delt exercise you're gonna develop your delts really well um second one was back yep that's hard because the back has the traps the rhomboids the lats the spinal rectors technically the rear delts there's a lot going on here so um if i had to pick three exercises just to develop the back as a whole um, I would go with, uh, I would go with a free grip seated cable row. Free grip. Yeah. So like, instead of doing like the neutral grip or the wide grip or anything, get like two handles, handles that uh, are like individual from like a cable machine and put them together. So you can just kind of, you can rotate your wrists or do whatever you need to do to just get in a more comfortable position for you personally, because everybody's anatomically different. Um, and this is not an overhead pull. So normally people think lats, and this is what I'm targeting right now. They think pulling down. Um, I like the seated one better for most people because to be able to to get a lot out of an overhead pull, which you should be able to do, and if you can't feel your lats or get a lot of growth from your lats, it means that you're lacking thoracic and shoulder mobility, so you should work on those things. But if I'm doing an overhead pull, number one, I need a lot of thoracic mobility so I can actually like pull my chest up and hyperextend my back because one of the jobs of the lats is to hyperextend my back. So if I want to be able to depress my scapula as much as possible to get my lats engaged, I actually have to like flare my chest up. That's why you've probably seen it when you take pictures and stuff, like I'm doing a pull down, I'm yep. like really leaning back yep. for my mid back. Um, and to get overhead fully and let the lats stretch, you gotta have good overhead mobility, which a lot of people don't have. I don't even have great overhead mobility. But a seated row, if I just pull my shoulders down and I drive my elbows really low towards my like my pocket, my back pocket, I'm gonna get a ton of lat engagement. So I like a free grip seated cable row uh, with a low elbow position for the lats. I would go with a, um, this is tough. If I'm picking the whole back, I'm gonna go with a face pull, a rope, probably a cable rope face pull, only because the way the rope is versus like a band or anything like that, I can do like uh, neutral grip, pronated grip. I can change the grip and that changes how- A ton of different variations. Exactly. Yeah. I can get a little bit more of a low trap, mid trap, upper trap, depending on that. More external rotation of the shoulder if I want to. So definitely would go with a cable rope face pull. Um, 
And then I'm probably going to go with a, man, this is hard. Uh, probably a dumbbell chest supported row. I love a dumbbell chest supported row. It was between that and a farmer's walk. Mm. I think a lot of people underestimate that. But if you ever, um, you know, if you ever do like a, the, the, the most brutal are long distance lightweight. So like I know Joe D does like a, a mile farmer's walk. So you like grab like 25 pound kettlebells. In the first lap, you're like, it's not a big of a deal. Yeah. We did this way back. And you just walk a mile. And you just can't let them go. And you keep your shoulders back. Your shoulders are fucking, your upper back is just lit up. Um, but the nice thing about a chest support row, is, uh, it's very versatile. So um, if you could, you know, you can keep your elbows low for your lats. You can drive your elbows higher for your upper back. You can kind of angle them at a 45 degree angle for mid back. I love that. Or like a, even like a chest support T bar. We just don't have one. I thought about buying one. Um, you might remember the one at Vigor where it was like a, you put your chest on it with your feet on the thing and then you take the thing. Oh, I absolutely love that machine. Love it. Yeah. But I don't know where we would put that. It's a pretty big thing. I'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like a, I mean, it's probably like seven, eight feet long. You know what I mean? Cause it's tall. Cause you guys like think from, from toes to, to the end of the bar where you slide the plates on. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty big. I don't know where we'd put it. I mean, and I, I don't, love that machine. We're going to end up having machines in the other side, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like floating in. But uh, but I would probably go with the T-bar or chessboard row if you don't have a T-bar. So those are the three for the entire back. All right, now quads. Quads, I'm going to go with a uh, high bar back squat. Um, with your heels elevated, if you or on a Smith machine. A lot of people don't, like, some people don't have a Smith machine, so you, you can't use that, but Smith machine allows you to lean back, and it just, like, you can get a huge stretch in your quads. If you don't have one, then, like, have, doing, like, a cyclist squat. Mm -hmm. So high bar back squat, heels slightly elevated so your knees can glide over your toes, and you can get in a deep position for a big stretch in your quads. That's always going to be, like, my go-to. Um, and then I would go with a Bulgarian split squat, without a doubt. It's a love-hate relationship for most people. I fucking love the split squat. It's When I had, like, low back issues and, and my knee surgery was, like, they were very close to it, I couldn't back squat forever, so I got really good at Bulgarian split squats. But that places a fuck ton of tension on your quads. And it's just a – it's a really good – it's kind of like the military press. Even today. elevated. Yeah, and, and to me, that's the one where, like, you can go with, like, a 6 to 8 rep and you can progress it over time with heavier – have your dumbbells of time like that a dumbbell military press and a dumbbell bench press are three dumbbell exercises that i fucking love for, for hypertrophy um and then i would actually go with a a, a leg extension i think mm. most people would assume i'd go with some more like quote-unquote functional exercise but it's very hard to mimic what benefit the leg extension has because you're you're like a bulgarian split squat the peak amount of tension and overload is at the bottom of the movement when you're in a deep stretch which is great, but when you're at the top of the movement, it's actually kind of a like a rest. You know, you get to the top of the rep, and you can go, whew, like, take a breath and go back into it because you're not overloading that contraction. But if you're on a leg extension, when you lock out your leg, your quad flexes, and that's where the max amount of load is, you know, because the pendulum of the weight, when you get to the top, you squeeze your quad, you have the most amount of tension and load on it, so the actual rest is at the bottom, yeah. which is very rare. It's like a chest fly. Like, the most tension is at the very top where you're trying to hold it. And it's hard to mimic that. Whereas, like, a bench press, it's at the bottom, you know, which is most common with free weights. So, leg extension, for that reason, I think is, is always something that should be in there if you really want to develop your quads. Totally. All right, next one's glutes. 
Uh, hip thrust, for sure. I don't think anyone can ignore that or argue that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's been shown time and time again. I think um, just a regular barbell hip thrust, not a glute bridge or anything like that. Hip thrust because you get a good range of motion, you can overload it. Um, and it's very similar to the leg extension, actually. Like, if you look at an RDL, it's great, but you create the most tension in the stretch. When you're at the bottom of the movement and your hamstrings and glutes are pushed back in a big stretch at the top, you can squeeze your glutes, but you're not really getting that max tension on it. Um, whereas hip thrust, the max amount of tension is at the very top of the movement when you're squeezing your glutes and contracting, which is where that's like the the signal to grow is contraction, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're overloading the contraction, it's always a good thing. Um, and then I would go with uh, a <laughs> very like James Fonda-esque, but... It just hip abductions, band, machine, whatever, just, you know, uh, they used to call it the good girl, bad girl, walks. <laughs> just the in and outs. Um, you can do walks too. I like seated versions better because you don't got to worry about like moving or balance. You just sit there and just crank out reps. But hip abduction is is a key function of the glute. So if you're not doing hip abduction, you're missing a part of the glute. And if you want well-developed glutes, there's multiple he- parts of the glutes, which means that to get the glute mead, that outside part of your glute, which makes it or round, yeah. you got to do the hip abductions. So hip thrusts, hip abductions, and then um, whew, this is hard. Uh, I would probably say, squats. what's that? Squats? No, mm. squats are way more quad dominant. There's some people who have like glute dominant squats, but they usually can't overload enough because they end up hurting their back because mm. it's because they have long femurs, so they sit back into it. It's like a good morning. Um, I don't think squats are very good exercises for glutes at all i mean they work your glutes but it's just not that glute dominant you know what i mean uh, rdls are great but they also are so hamstring dominant that i would wouldn't consider them the best um so i probably would go with either reverse hypers mm. which if you do reverse hypers in a glute dominant way where you're not trying to ex- hyper extend and get your low back which some, that's what it's made for is to build your low back but you can do glute dominant back extensions or reverse hypers which are very very similar movement wise and they're tremendous for firing the glutes um so i would either go with that or um like a a a large step walking lunge where you're doing like bigger steps because you get a bigger stretch on the glute totally um which gets the benefit of the the glute activation from a squat because it is a squat pattern but you're taking a larger step and you're unilateral so you're just you're getting more glute. And I might even change the hip abduction to a quadruped uh, hip abduction. So, like, they call them fire hydrants, you know, where, like, you're like a dog lifting their leg oh, yeah. with the band yep. and you kind of kick back. Yep. Um, those are – it's still hip abduction. It's just you're in a different position, which allows you to go into hip abduction and extension because you can go at that, like, angle. Um, what yeah. are those called again? Some people call them fire hydrants. Some yeah. people call them uh, quadruped <laughs> hip abductions. It's like yeah. dog. Yeah, exactly. Some people call them, uh, I mean, like technical term would be band-resisted quadruped hip abduction plus extension. Jesus. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah so. That was a great question, Jen. Yeah. So um, we got the next one coming from Lindsay Poach. It says, how much cardio, low or high, should I be doing if I want to lose fat? As little as possible while losing fat. So, uh, and the reason is because cardio is, I mean, you can adapt pretty cardio, pretty quickly to cardio. Um, if you're doing low intensity cardio, you're going to spend more time doing it. Um, but you're going to save yourself the massive amount of fatigue. So you could probably do it more sustainably. 
if you're doing high intensity cardio, you're going to spend less time because you burn just like an hour of lists could be 20 to 30 minutes of hit, you know, so you literally cut your time at 50-60%. However, it's so fatiguing that it's going to potentially interfere with your strength training and your ability to recover, especially if you're strength training while in a deficit. So I usually recommend everybody who is trying to lose fat to do more lists if you're doing it for the purposes of losing fat. Um both hit and list are going to be pretty adaptive, so you're going to have to potentially worry about adapting to it regardless, which is why I don't recommend doing a ton of it because if you start adapting to it, you're getting less out of it. Um, the, if the whole point of, of cardio is to burn calories to lose fat and your body adapts to it, then you burn less calories as you would get a more adapted to the cardio, which means the cardio is not doing what you're doing, yeah. doing it for, which is why I typically like conditioning as a term because we can change conditioning more frequently so your body doesn't adapt as quickly, but we don't do it so much for the caloric expenditure, you know? So, um, and I say as little as possible because you should you should definitely like go into a fat loss plan being able to just strength train and do a, a little bit of cardio for health. So maybe you're lifting four days a week and you're doing one conditioning day per week. So five days total of activity and you're doing that for health purposes. And then you start losing fat week after week because you're doing a, a, a proper diet. Like your diet is actually causing you to lose weight. Your training is causing you to maintain muscle and you're doing a day of cardio for health and a little bit of calorie expenditure. Once you start plateauing then we go okay let's increase your step count to like something that can still be sustainable for your lifestyle um and then once you plateau again that's when you go okay i'm walking a good amount if i walk anymore now i'm taking like random walks too frequently where it actually disturbs my lifestyle and adds stress i'm training enough i'm in a deficit i'm doing one day of cardio i'm at a plateau is it easier for me to cut my calories more or to add cardio and if the answer is to add cardio, then you can start by adding one to two days a week of 30 to 60 minutes of cardio, right? Whatever works for your schedule, essentially. Maybe you do one day of 60 minutes. You go on a 60-minute, like, ruck, which would just be, like, an outside walk yep. through trails or whatever. Or maybe you do two days of 30 minutes. Um, either way, you want about 60 minutes when you throw that in because that's enough to actually cause something to happen. And it's important to not wear your step count tracker while doing that uh, because if – if you go on a 60-minute ruck, but your steps don't increase because of that, then you're not really getting as much out of it as you want. So, for example, if you're doing 10,000 steps per day, and then you go, okay, now I'm going to add because I'm at this plateau, and I decided that I don't want to cut calories because it's already hard for me to adhere to this diet because I'm hungry all the time. So, I'm going to add a 60-minute cardio session, and I wear my step counter, and my steps are still at 10K that day, which happens a lot in research. What happens is like... You go from hitting 10,000 steps a day to your body literally compensates the rest of your daily activity throughout that day because you, you went on a 60-minute ruck this morning. So I go on a 60-minute ruck, I track my steps, and by the end of the day, I still have 10,000 steps because my body compensated by doing less the rest of the day because I spent a lot of energy on that ruck this morning. Gotcha. Right? Or it'll be the next day if you did it at night, let's say. So for that reason, I always tell people, don't wear your tracker when you go on that ruck because then you can go, okay, I still got to go on random walks throughout the day to hit my 10K steps on top of that, which may seem like a lot, but the whole point of doing that 60-minute bout is to do more than you're doing right now to lose weight. Totally. Right? So um, that would be my only tip. Now, for some people, if you're at that point, you're like, I'd much rather just pull more calories, pull more calories. You don't need to do cardio. Um, right now, I'm doing the 30 minutes a day because it's like a mental thing. Put on a weight vest and walk. And there's been... Two days, I didn't do it. I went on the walk, but I didn't wear a wave vest because I tweaked my low back a few weeks ago, and I put the wave vest on at my house and was like, nope, it's already pulling, and I was like, I'm just going to go on a regular walk. Um, but I do that every day not to burn calories necessarily. Um, however, I can tell you this. 
as a habit, it's not that bad. Yeah. And I would rather do that than pull calories because I like my food. So it, it's kind of, it's a personal choice. And I tell clients that too. I'm like, hey, we got to adjust something to keep fat loss going. Would you rather and or what would you adhere better to, right? right? Would you rather walk or cut calories and which one do you think you'd adhere better to? Because if they're like, there's no well, way I want to. Doesn't that go hand in hand? What exactly. would you rather do? Because you can hear to it better. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, not all the times though, because some people in theory are like, oh, I'd much rather just go on a walk. And then I'm like, okay, where are you going to fit in your schedule? And they're like, I don't have any fucking time. I'm already training two hours and then I have work and I got to pick up my kids from daycare. And I'm like, okay, well, this is what we got to do. Yeah. Sorry. You know, so, um, yeah. Totally. So. Cool. All right. Well. That was a good one. Anything? Um, no, I think we're good right now. Um, if this is still next week, Thursday, then, yeah. yeah. So this is, uh, the, this is the first week that the everyday athlete has been launched. We talked about it earlier in the week. So if you missed the last Q and a check that out, cause I went really deep into the, the science behind why the program is, even if you don't do the program, it's a lot of value just inside of like why you should train like an athlete and how to look and feel like an athlete. Uh, but the program is geared towards that. It just launched this week. So if you want to check that out, you can head over to taylortrainerapp.com. Um, and once you download the app, you get full access to all my programs. That one will be at the top of the list for you to check out and try and literally train with me because that's the program I am doing right now. Um, so go check that out. Go leave us a question on the question form. Go add yourself to the Facebook group if you're not there yet. Leave us a five-star rating and review and make sure you share this on your story or with a friend because we want to keep spreading this message message. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time.